pray to that, uh, you know, attitude that says, I am, I am enough, or, or even saying, I'm not enough. You know, don't fall into either category. You know, continue to, um, continue to depend on the Lord to bring godly connections into your life. You know, you need people that will uh, be brothers to you. You, will, you need people that are going to be mentors to you in different areas of your life. And you need a spiritual father. You need an organizational, um, you know, setup where, you know, everything that you're doing gets formatted correctly and, and it is acceptable to the government. Don't pay less attention to these things. Like Dr. John said the other day, you can be really anointed but, but mess up in your administration and end up, you know, messing up your finances and, you know, and no point in all that anointing going waste just because you did not learn to focus on every area. Amen. We have to be a generation that will focus we, on, on wholesome growth, on balanced growth. Amen. Uh, so when I pray and I believe that the next time that we meet, I will hear great testimonies. And the next time we speak, we will, we will hear of amazing, glorious things that God is doing through you in different places of the world. Amen. You know, right now, there are people that couldn't afford to come here, that couldn't afford their flight tickets to come here, that are streaming in during these three days from wherever they are, and they're gathering in their homes, and they're, they're streaming this entire conference there. And I believe that someday we will have enough money to host a Revival Dreamers in Africa, probably in Nairobi or in, you know, um, and we will get our speakers from around the world come in and, and minister. Uh, of the heart of God in the, in the nations of Africa. Let's go into the Word. What did we uh, start on studying? We started talking about how God wants us to enter and possess the land. Not just enter the land, but also possess and occupy and enjoy what God is releasing for us. The Lord wants us to enter and possess the land. Enter and possess the promised land, the, the Canaan that God has prepared for us. Amen? Now, we learned that there are several things that are very key for us to be able to enter and possess. The first thing is that we need to get rid of fear. Everybody say, be strong and courageous. That's what God told us. That's what God taught us, that we need to be a generation who will refuse to bow down to fear. Whatever it may be, we will not give in to the spirit of fear, right? What's the next thing that we learned? We need to intentionally host God. What does it mean to intentionally host God? We carry Him upon us, even when we don't feel like it, even when we are faced with difficult circumstances. In every season of life, we carry Him. We are called to be the royal priesthood, amen? We are called to carry His presence upon us. We are not just called to function under the anointing. I'm sure God has anointed all of us, but we are also called to be fueled by His presence. Do you know that sometimes you can be so anointed that you never know when you have stopped sitting in His presence because the anointing will still function. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. So if you have an anointing to heal, you like it or not, you pray for it or not, you desire for it or not, you will continue to heal people. You will continue to move in that gift. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you, have, you are fueled by the presence of God. 
That is the generation that we ought to be. We don't care only for the anointing, and I'm not devaluing anointing in any way. We believe in the anointing. We celebrate the anointing. We, we celebrate the gifts and the callings of God upon our life. But we need to be a generation where we, we, are, we are crazy, uh, radical, laid-down lovers of Jesus. Amen? That is, that is what it means to intentionally host God. This third thing that we learned was about being great in the eyes of men. We, I think, overemphasized that because we can never uh, get our significance from what people say about us. Amen? The next thing that we learned was that we need to disconnect from our flesh. Become vulnerable. When the Lord tells you to become vulnerable, go right ahead because God has a reward for you. And what was the reward these guys got? Sorry? Jericho? you know, a few things before that. What was the reward? Give me the next point, Panas. The Lord said, hey, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery. You remember that? We learned that yesterday. The, th the second thing that we saw is that they started seeing a harvest. Give me, keep going, okay? Just as soon as I say next, just keep going. That, that, you know, they started seeing a harvest in the land. Now they are not just, um, you know, being living in the land they have already crossed over and now they have started eating from the harvest of the land amen what is the third thing that you that this that they got they started receiving encounters with jesus you remember that story of how this man came with a drawn out sword and and he asked joshua uh, you know joshua asked him hey are you on my side or are you on my enemy side and and he said neither man you better be on my side. Why? I am the commander of the Lord's army. You better get behind me. And I believe that that was Jesus because he just fell down at his face and began to worship this person. And we know what happened as a result of that encounter with Jesus. They captured Jericho. Their voice got amplified. The Bible says that God told them, hey, you know what? This city of Jericho is already given to you. It is not something that will be given, but it is already given. So this is what you need to do. March around this and finally lift up your voices and shout out loud. So we also said that your, your silent hosting of God's presence, your silent prayers are being amplified in this season, are being taken to the next level in this season. You know, in the, in the past, when they were crossing the Jordan River, they were very silently standing there, just carrying the presence. But this time, that silent carriers of the presence of God are now blowing the ram's horn. And the ram's horn is releasing a shout. The ram's horn is releasing a revolution that will bring down the walls of Jericho in that nation, in that, in that, in that city. Amen? So I believe that when you guys go back, whatever seasons of life you are in, as you remain faithful, every wall that need to come down will come down in Jesus' name. Absolutely, a hundred percent, it will come down. There's no doubt about it. Am I right? Come on. And then the Bible says, Joshua, God had given them a commandment. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 24 says, the Israelites burned the town and everything in it, only the things made from silver, gold, and bronze or iron were kept. Why? For the treasury of the Lord's house. Because God had given them a commandment. What was the commandment that God had given them? He had said, do not take any of the things set apart. 
for destruction. Don't take any of these things or you yourselves will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. God had said, hey, you need to capture Jericho, but the spoils of this city you cannot touch. They are set apart for the treasury of the, of the Lord. They are set apart for other purposes. So don't you touch any of these spoils. But we know the story. Come on, all Bible readers say, do you know the story of what happened? What was his name? Akan? There was this guy who stole something and he not only stole, he stole and he hid it. He, he kept it covered. And that was... That was bad. Why? Because God had set apart this amount for the treasury. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to enjoy the spoils of the victory that you get. I'll come to that in a minute. But there are seasons when God will want you to uh, show a sign of, of, of respect to His voice and His when he tells you to keep something aside, when he tells you to keep a time aside, when he tells you to keep a, 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 a season of your life apart, and when you mess up with that season and you use it for anything and everything else, I'm telling you, we end up in such a big jumble because we are right now in direct disobedience to the voice of God. The church is not supposed to be led by preferences and conveniences. It was convenient for Achan to just take that. It is not supposed to be led by what is good for us, what is, uh, you know, a blessing for us. It is supposed to be led by what is the voice of God pertaining this particular situation. This was an amount that was set apart for God. And Achan, the Bible says he took of that. He took that. Give me the next verse. It says, but Israel, what did they do? They violated the instructions about the things that are set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan, what did he do? He had stolen some of the things, some of the dedicated things. So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Uh, Israel had sinned and broken my covenant, God is saying. Check this out. God is using very harsh terms on these guys and God is saying hey these guys have broken sinned and broken my covenant why because they have stolen uh, they have stolen some of the things that I have commanded must be set apart for me how many of us steal from our tithes how many of us steal from uh, you know what really truly belongs to God you know sometimes as pastors uh, let me address pastors here Sometimes as pastors, we think that we are exempt from tithing. Do you know that we say that? We think that, oh, because we are serving the Lord and the money belongs to the Lord, you know, all the money that comes into my house. I'm telling you, every single one of us, we have to learn this principle of giving. I'm, I'm not going to get into that debate of is tithing Old Testament or New Testament. Can we just, can we just give to God what God deserves? God deserves a hundred percent. You know, if you if you are if you are going to debate with me about whether I should give ten percent to God, let me tell you what is the New Testament standard. The New Testament standard is not ten percent. The New Testament standard is hundred percent. Do you know the disciples in the first century they sold everything that they had, their land, their property, their uh, you know everything that they had, and they came and laid it at the feet of the apostles. Man, if you can't give hundred percent, give at least ten percent. 
I'm like, come on. If you can't do New Testament standards, at least stick to Old Testament standards and, 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 and give. You know, the whole purpose is that every penny that you get, it is set apart for God. And when you use what is set apart for God, for the purposes of God, for the glory of God, on things that are not necessarily ordained by God, that are not necessarily, you know, uh, is something that God has breathed upon. Let it be as simple as you buying a new pair of clothes. Let it be as simple as, uh, you know, you, you buying a new phone or you investing into a property. Whatever it may be, when you take what rightfully belongs to the Lord and you put it into things that is not ordained by God. Now, if God tells you, go and do this with that money, go ahead and do it. I, I'm not going to stop. But whatever is directed by the Lord, directed by the Lord. Will God ever say, hey, you're stealing my personal time with you? There is a particular time. You know how we pray, right, in, in this modern day and age? I'm praying all the time, right? Praying all the time. You know, have you heard of that term? No, you've not heard? Okay, I'll tell you. I've, I've been around a lot of busy Christians who don't have time to pray. And they say, Pastor, I pray through the day, Pastor. I pray when I'm cooking, and I pray when I'm eating, and I pray when I'm, I'm praying through the day. I don't have any, uh, any exclusive time for prayer. I just keep praying through the day. You know, if, you, if you're married, you'll get this. If your husband or your wife doesn't give you exclusive time, and you just say, oh, I'm with you all through the day. It's okay. You know, it's all right. You know, we are, with, we are together. We are doing this thing, but we are together the whole day. Come on. All the wives and the husbands in the house, would you be okay with that? Don't you need some exclusive time with your spouse? Why do you think God doesn't desire the same with us? Why do you think that, you know, we, we can just say, I don't think God needs exclusive time. I'll do it along with everything else, you know. I'll just, I don't have to take. Let me tell you, it's okay for you to sleep like, you know, 15, 20 minutes less if it requires to do that. It's okay for you to skip a, a, a television program that you, you're so keen on catching up on. It's okay to sacrifice a few other things so that you're not ending up stealing your time with God. You're not giving what is set apart for God to other people, to other things. Don't you compromise on what rightfully belongs to the Lord. I'm telling you, when we learn this principle of giving to the Lord what really, truly, completely belongs to Him, we will see and experience the, the fullness of it in our lives and when God will begin to give it back to us. I used to think that if I pray more, if I, if I spend more time in God's presence, I will have less time for my family and for myself. I, that turned out to be a, a big lie that the enemy has been putting into my head. Because I realize that the more time I give to God, the more fruitful my time with my family becomes. If I don't pray and I, if I spend two hours with my family, I'm telling you it still ends up in a problem. But if I pray and I even spend 10 minutes with my family, that, that 10 minutes is more fruitful. That 10 minutes is more beautiful, more glorious. The same goes for your work. When you give your time to God, when you give your money and your resources to God, and then you use it for yourself, the, the little that you use for yourself, I'm telling you, you will see the favor, the hand, the blessing of God on the little that you get to use on yourself. 
and you will see multiplication come upon it. You will see favor come upon it. You will see relationships that will work smoothly. God was saying, hey, you've broken my commandments. Why? He says, they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it and hidden their things among their own belongings. In other words, they are not even open about their problems. Not just that they made the mistake, they're not even willing to open up and say, hey, pastor, I made a mistake. You know, when Apostle Peter was speaking to Ananias and Zafira, do you know, he asked them, hey, is this truly the amount that you got? It's okay, you, 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 you kept some money for yourself, it's absolutely okay, but come and tell it to me, man. Be vulnerable about it, be open about it. Is it truly the amount that you got? Why do you need to lie to me? Wasn't this money always yours? Did we compel you to give it to us? Why do you have to lie to the Holy Spirit? That was Peter's problem. And then, you know, when Ananias got dealt with, Safira came in and he said, okay, let me test her. Will she be open? See, it's not your mistake which is the ultimate problem. It's your covering up of the mistake which is the greater problem. You understand what I'm saying? It's not the fact that we sin. You know, David, when he sinned, he just exposed to it to God and began to weep like a baby. On the other hand, Saul, when he sinned, he started justifying it, saying, no, this is because of that, because of this, because, you know, I want to worship better because you got late, all of that. He started putting blame on other things and other people instead of saying, okay, God, I'm so sorry, I, should have, I, I messed up. Can you give me one more chance? How can I redo this whole thing? You know, if you compare... Saul's sins with David's sins, technically David's sins are more grievous, right? You don't see Saul murdering somebody to, you know, steal their wife. Saul, I think, stole some sheep or something, you know, I don't, I don't think he stole anybody's wife. Man, I think stealing somebody's wife is more painful and dangerous than stealing their sheep. You don't agree with me? Come on, why, did, why was God so angry with Saul but God had mercy on David? It was not the magnitude of the sin. It was the lying and the covering up, not being willing to open it up, not being willing to, willing to be vulnerable about the issue, about the problem. That is what, you know, brought the whole things down. That is what created all the chaos and the confusion. And I'm telling you, if we can just be open about our issues, we can, if we can just be, you know, um, less concerned about our reputation. I like what Dr. John said yesterday in a private conversation. He was saying that uh, sometimes we are so, so uh, concerned about our reputation that we are willing to let go of our testimony. Our testimony is what God thinks about us. Our reputation is what people think about us. And sometimes we are so concerned about how will our pastor look at us, how will the people look at us, that we are willing to let go of how will God take this, you know, arrogance of mine. I'm, I'm sure that every single one of us in the next one year are going to commit mistakes, going to say, speak blunders that we have to apologize to people for, that we have to apologize to God for. The only, the key to victory will be in exposing them. As soon as it happens, instead of, instead of, instead of trying to find ways to cover it up and find ways to hide it under the ground. Say, oh, I did it in a moment of anger. I did it in a moment of weakness, but I need to bring it to light. 
It's okay if I lose my reputation. It's okay if, if people, if I, you know, end up being stoned at. It's okay. But I'm still going to bring it to the mercy of God. I'm still going to expose myself to the hand of God. Because the hand of God, I'm telling you, God, the Bible says, He gives grace to the humble. How many of you need grace? Come on. We need grace to be strong, to, to overcome our struggles. But He gives it only to the humble people. He doesn't give it to the people that are trying to justify and trying to, you know, say this happened because of him and her. Don't do all of that. Just, just say, I did this. This is what happened. This is how it happened. Please help me get out of this. And I salute people who come up and, and expose their vulnerability. Sometimes just the fact that I have exposed my weakness is the starting point of my healing. That is the starting point of my healing. So don't cover it up. I'm telling you, if, you know, emotions, especially, dear sisters, let me tell you, and some brothers, okay, sometimes we can be too emotional about everything. We are touchy about anything and everything. It's okay. What you could do is just expose that emotion. Just expose it. And just say, this is how I'm feeling about this. This is how, I'm, how, how my heart is feeling. I know that is not correct, but this is how my heart is feeling. I, I just want to expose this. Um, and I do that with my spouse. I do that with my with my leaders whenever i feel something negative i just expose it and i i tell them hey you know what this is how i feel i know that it's a lie from the enemy but i have to expose it rather than letting it you know brood in my heart and let it become bitterness let it become uh, anger let it become uh, other things that can poison that that can become poisonous in my life can we be a generation that will refuse to hide what we have stolen it's one thing to steal and it's another thing to hide it. If there is a season in your life when you've not been able to pray, expose it. If there is a season in your life when you've not been able to tithe, expose it. If there is a season in your life when you've been taking things that are set apart for God, expose it. And you will see how the Lord will give you grace in the next season to overcome what has been your struggle in the previous season. I'm not saying that you will automatically become perfect, but you will get grace. You know what is grace? Grace is not the forgiveness of your sins. That is mercy, right? We heard that yesterday. Grace is the ability. You know, we've been confessing this in our church every, every Sunday. We've been studying on grace. Philippians chapter 2, 13, it says, For God will give you the... For God will, is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him man what else do we need what is god giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him who is working god is working in us giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases them. But grace is available, according to my Bible, only to humble people. Only to people that are willing to let go of your reputation and say, okay, I messed up. I struggle. I'm, I'm not going to withhold this thing. I'm just going to let go of my reputation. I'm going to find the right people to, to open up, okay? Don't go and open it up on Facebook or uh, on, on uh, your youtube channel or whatever you know just find the right sources in the channels where you can open up and you can tell them hey you know what this is where i messed up this is where i'm struggling can you please speak the heart of god into this situation 
The next verse, the Bible says that then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? What happened? What happened was Achan got exposed. Joshua waited on the Lord till Achan got exposed. And, and then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged. You know what happened, right? Because Achan was there, they went to fight this town of Ai and they came, and it's a small town, and they came back utterly miserably lost. And these guys have fought battles before. This is a very small town to capture. It was not even, they didn't even need to send their entire capacity of army. But because the Bible says, do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men. Give me the, give me the previous verse. It says, it says, because they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings, that is why... Come on, if you can read it, read it. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. That is why the Bible says, that is why they are running in defeat. The next verse, because Achan is exposed, God says, now do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai, for I have... Come on, somebody, scream that word out. I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. We are going to enter and possess the next town. Amen. This is a, you know, and God is saying, hey, you know what? I have already given this to you. Why? Because you're willing to expose your sins. Because you're willing to expose your struggles. Every victory that you get. See, Jericho was a victory, but it was also a test. Jericho was a, a big blessing, but along with that blessing came temptations. Along with that blessing came opportunities to go wrong. Uh, you, you're most tempted to go wrong when you're successful. Again, Dr. John's statements. You know, it's not when you're failing and when you're going wrong. It's when you're most successful that you're tempted to do things and say things and be something that will completely take you off track. And I pray that in this season, we will be so, so careful, especially in seasons of victory, especially in seasons of success, especially in seasons when God is giving us what we need, because the Lord is taking us to the next level. We can't move on to the next level. See, they got stuck with Jericho because they failed the test. The reason we become stagnant is because we are, we are failing the test. Unless you do something different and you, you give something that was not supposed to be yours, you cannot move ahead. You cannot go further. And this is amazing. Okay? I, I love, love, love this. It says, for I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. The next verse it says, you will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho and its king. But this time, somebody say, but this time. Come on, loudly. But this time. Last time, what was, the, what was the instruction? Any of the spoils of this city, right? But now, what is God saying? But this time, you may keep the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. If only Achan had waited. If only he would have said, okay, God might have something in store, something better in store. If only he would have waited. He could have legally gotten what he illegally got. Now, your desire for wealth and greatness is not necessarily wrong. God has created us for greatness. You know, when, when the disciples came to Jesus and asked, you know, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? 
God didn't, Jesus didn't say, hey, you wicked, evil thinker and desirer. No, he said, hey, whoever wants to be the greatest, you have to be the servant. He's giving a different route to reach greatness. He's not saying your desire for greatness is bad. He's not saying your desire to be rich is bad. He's not saying your desire to be uh, healthy and, and prosperous is bad. What he's saying is, how do you reach that place? Do you reach there when I take you there or you go there on your own terms and on your own conditions and in your own way? I'm telling you, God has a plan to bless every single one of us but when we demand things in our terms in our time in our seasons in our ways that is when it's a problem i'm telling you i mean sometimes we think that oh uh, you know th this doesn't work for everybody this only works for the the so-called rich pastors and the rich businessmen and the rich churches i'm telling you this works for everybody to understand is that the same god that the rich people serve is the same god the not so rich people serve. The same God that we serve in cities are the same God that other people serve in villages. If God can work in India, God can work in Africa. If the same God can provide in Africa, He can provide for us in Canada. He is the same God who can take care of us in any situations and, and, and cities and, and, and destinations. Let your faith and your trust be in God, not in the money, not in your provisions not in the persons that is uh, you know sending you that monthly support you know i'm telling you as pastors sometimes our our gods become those people that are supporting us monthly i'm telling you even those of you who are working in full-time jobs where you get a salary can you come to this confession and belief system that your your provider is not your company your provider is not your salary. It's, that is not where your provision comes from. My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. It doesn't matter if my company sinks. It doesn't matter if they don't have money to provide for my salary. When it's due, my provision will come from heaven. Amen. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. If it doesn't matter if you want it or not, my provision will come just at the right time from heaven not from people God may use people God may use uh, ravens God may use widows the most unlikely candidates to provide for your needs God may use anybody but your provision will come from heaven come on church don't you ever don't you ever underestimate what God can do for you you don't have to live in poverty you don't have to live in uh, you know tolerating uh, uh, sickness just because you don't have the same followers as your pastors have. You have the same God that your pastors have. You have the same God that, you know, the, the God of the Bible is your God and my God. Amen? Come on, church. Am I challenging you this morning? Yes, let's go further. It says, the Lord said to Joshua, point the spear in your hand toward Ai, and I will hand the town over to you. Joshua did as he was commanded. I'm just going to go further. Is that okay? I'm not going to stay back to uh, explain. The, then Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, at Mount Ebal. This was a place where God gave him victory, and he, he went to Mount Ebal, and he, he, he made an altar for God. He worshipped. He sacrificed to God. And then the Bible says, in the next verses, it says he followed the the commands that Moses, the Lord's servant, had written in the book of instruction. What was the command? Make me an altar from stones that are uncut and have not been shaped with 
iron tools. God said, hey, I don't want nice fashionable stones. Give me the raw stones. And that is the stones on which I'm going to build an altar. How many of you know God likes you as you are? In the rawness, in, the, in your same fashion sense, God likes you. Come. God likes you to be a worship, a, 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 a sacrifice, an altar as you are. Just come and lay yourself down. Go ahead. It says, then on the altar, they presented burnt offerings and, and peace offerings to the Lord. Why? Because they've just received a, a mighty bounty from AI, right? Previous place, they didn't get anything. This place, they got a huge bounty. And they, they brought an offering of worship to God. And then as the Israelites watched, Joshua copied onto the stones of the altar the instructions that Moses had given them. Then the Bible says, Then all the Israelites, foreigners and native-born alike, along with the elders, officers, and judges, were divided into two groups. Okay? One stood in front of Mount Gerizim. The other in front of Mount Ebal. Now, Mount Gerizim, if you go and Google pictures of Mount Gerizim and Ebal, uh, they say that Mount Gerizim used to be the plush, the, the prosperous, the, the green place, the place where everything is growing. And Mount Ebal, which is just the opposite side of Mount Gerizim, is the dry place. It's the place where there is no vegetation, no growth. It's just a, a dramatic difference from this mountain to the other mountain. It's a, it's a crazy thing. Many people who've gone to Israel, they come back and they tell us stories of how, you know, they'd be standing on the borders of Israel and and till here, the same land, okay, the same stretch of land, till here you would see absolute greenery. And beyond this, it's like dry desert out there. What happens? That is what the blessing of God can do over your life. And the Bible says, the Joshua divided the people into two. One to go to the side of the blessing, one to go to the side of the, the curse. And, and in the center, what did he do in the center? It says each group faced the other and between them stood the... We, we, we've been looking at this Levitical priest all through these three days, right? What did we see them do on the first day? Carrying him. Crossing the river. The second day we saw them walking ahead of the army and blowing the ram's horn on the seventh day. Now today, these guys are standing not on that mountain, not on this mountain, but right in the center. They are standing and they are carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant. And it says this was all done according to the commands that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had previously given. I, I want you to understand this, okay? These guys are standing in the center and, and there are people on this side that are on the side of the curse and there are people on this side that are on the side of the blessing. Now, if anybody from this side has to cross over onto the other side, they have to pass the Ark of the Covenant. From the curse to the blessings, from the brokenness into the blessing, from the failures into the successes. If you have to have to transition from this mountain into this mountain, the only way through is through the presence of God. You know, see, in the Old Testament, it was very scary to do that because the presence of God, they can't go anywhere close to this presence. They can't go anywhere near this place. If anybody, did, you know, by mistake, went close, touched, you know, peeped in, whatever, man, kachak, you're done. That's it. But these guys were placed on either sides and were, you know, just put in those places where, uh, you know, they, they were separated from each other. 
And let me tell you something, you know, it doesn't matter what season of life you're in, you know, if you feel like you're on Mount Ebal, but this season, if you can constantly, see in the Old Testament it was very scary, but in the New Testament we can pursue the presence of God without the fear of being killed and taken down because of our pursuit of our presence of God. The New Testament, you want to climb the Mount Gerizim, all you need to do is just go after. Just go after the presence of God in your life this season. Just go after those people that are already carrying the Ark of God. Just go after those people. And I'm telling you, all you people out here who are the priests, the Levites that are carrying the Ark of the Lord, you are meant to stand in the gap on the border and keep inviting, keep, keep, keep drawing the people that are on Mount Ebal and bring them onto the side of Mount Gerizim. Just keep declaring the voice of the Lord right there in the valley, in the center and say, hey, this side is more promising. This side is where God has called us to be. This side, I'm telling you, we have, we have misunderstood blessings of God. When God desires to bless you, when God decides to bless you and no man can stop it, the only thing that can stop it is our, our unwillingness to yield to the ark, to the yield to the presence, to yield to his, uh, you know, his leading and his direction in our lives. If we are willing to cross the valley, we will, we will. If we are willing to, you know, head to the presence of God, then we will end up on Mount Gerizim. The next verse it says, Joshua then read to them all the blessings and the curses. The blessings were pronounced to the people on Mount uh, Gerizim and the curses on this mountain and, 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 and was very profoundly spoken that, hey, those of you over here, if you do this, if you do this, do this, do this, you will get these, these, these blessings. If you don't do these, these, these things, you will get all these, 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 these curses and that was clearly released. This morning, I want to finish with just releasing a blessing over all of you.